Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bomba donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast, code acast. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, but perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999. Farting here at the counter in 2021, I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us today is Emmy Potter, Emmy writer and actor, written for Consequence of Sound, Brightwell Dark Room. It is so good to have you here to talk about uh, Tumbleweeds. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And I'll tell you, it's nice to see you. And uh, I, I've seen real life tumbleweeds recently. I have wow. dri- I've driven far enough away from this city 
Were you? I'm not kidding. Were you? I see actual. I believe you. Tumbleweeds, yeah. because my son has a sonic addiction. So every <laughs> every three months or so, I drive him out to um to to, to a, a city pretty far away, like Alhambra or something. Uh, that's not what it is, but a city very far away uh, to go get Sonic, and we we drive past Tumbleweeds. So um, that's my previous association with this film. Uh, Can I, I just say that I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Kenny, but when you said Sonic, my brain goes to the Hedgehog. I went there so, too. So I'm just like, no, no, it's the hamburger joint. Yeah, no, and I, get I it now. support that as well. <laughs> I support both of these, but yeah. I just at first my brain was like. Do they go to the desert and run around to look like Sonic? <laughs> <laughs> While they are drinking a Route 44 cherry lime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, tumbleweeds, I get it. You know, it's a, it's a little, little on the nose in terms of as far as allegorical titles go. Sure. Um, but, Emmy, uh, before we get more into it, um, how are you? Thank you for joining us. How has your pandemic been? Uh, well, you know, same as anyone in my apartment for days on end. I'm in New York. So um, mm-hmm. I mm. I have lots of interaction with the noises that my neighbors make that I never have any idea what they are and what they're doing. Dragging furniture across the floor. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Doing the Jane Fonda workout. That's actually me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've been doing it's it's There's so many like bootlegs on YouTube. It's, <laughs> I bet, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. Um. I too love Sonic. I don't live close enough to one. I have never lived more than a block away from a Sonic until I moved to New York City like 10 from years where? ago. Uh, from the middle of Missouri. Okay. Um, they call and there that was like, Sonic country. Yeah. And there was like a Sonic, there was like a Sonic on the corner near my house. And then I went to school in Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma is where Sonic started. Mm-hmm. America's really? driving. This is like an ad for Sonic. We're Sonic, not we should honestly Sonic. try to get some money for this. Uh, at some Sonic, point. Is, you know. Sonic is fantastic. It's uh, great. You, you just you can get a ninety-nine to, cent corn dog. Yeah, you have to be down to just just be a glutton. Just go all out. Try the whole menu. <laughs> I've never been uh, to Sonic, but you guys have convinced me to go. So. You know, it takes some work. Well, you have In and Out. You have other. You have other you burger choices. That burger. In California. You know. Yeah, I, I defended Fat Burger until I got it last week. It's uh, it's not in and out. <laughs> um, so here's a question for you, Emmy. Did yeah. you see this film in '99 or around '99, or uh, what, what made you see this film? So I I know I definitely did not see this movie in a theater in 1999, and I don't sure. even know if I saw it in '99. It's very hazy, but I do. I remember. Um, I remember my mother was the one that was interested in seeing it. She'd probably been reading like our weekly copy of entertainment weekly or something. And mm-hmm. um, both of my parents have theater degrees. I also at this point have a musical theater degree. My family is very theatrical. My brother works in the film TV industry. Um, but like, I just remember my mom probably read about it and was like, this sounds like something I'd be interested in. And uh so I remember getting it from some one of our video rental stores, RIP. Um, <laughs> those are all gone. Uh, yeah. But we, I remember we rented it at some point, and I don't know if it was just me and my mom who watched it, but 
I do remember like we rented it probably on VHS tape Mm -hmm. from one of the rental stores, blockbuster movie gallery. Sure. Sure. Did you, so this is one of those films and I don't want to speak for Kenny, but um, I feel like he'll probably agree with me, which is um, I didn't really know this movie existed. Um, short, short of Janet Mateer's Academy Award nomination, which yeah. I don't mean to laugh. She's very good in this movie, but I think we could, I could name 10 other performances <laughs> off the top of my head from 99 that probably would have been nominated before her. But I just remember she gets the Academy Award nomination and, and the film did pretty well. I mean, it was, it was, it was a moderate, it was a success, but after it, Phil having won sorry. the award, uh, won the musical comedy award at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. In this mm-hmm. year of all years, she had some serious momentum behind yeah. her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 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 one of those so this movie kind of exists certainly exists side by side with Anywhere But Here, which also comes out in 1999. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um and I mean, we, you've we seen did that movie? Um I have I I often get it confused with where the heart is because both star Natalie Portman in rural areas and she has mm-hmm. an inexplicable Southern accent, but um, and released by 20th century Fox. Yeah. And they came out like within a year of each other. Yeah. So I'm always like, wait, yeah. which one do I mean? Is the one, is it the one where she has the baby in the Walmart or is it the one where Susan Sarandon is her mother? The one with well, Susan Sarandon. Both have, they, they both have very evocative titles that tell you exactly what they're about. So it's weird. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they're not big titles at all. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> um, Anywhere But Here comes out the same year. Kenny and I did an episode uh, on Anywhere But Here with uh, Rochelle Lefebvre, what feels like maybe 20 years ago now. Is that when we did it, Kenny? <laughs> yeah, like- it was 20, but it's it's it's, it's an episode we, we mention a lot because Rochelle was able to take us both uh, from not liking the film to loving the film. Yeah. And, it's, <laughs> and it was with Anywhere But Here in my head uh, that I watched this movie, which I think one is vastly inferior, mm. and two, maybe I'm wrong because <laughs> I was because I was dead wrong on anywhere but here. But having seen anywhere but here, and having had the conversation with, with Rochelle about, and kind of knowing what to be on the lookout for, yeah, uh, I felt like I got nothing from this movie that I got from anywhere but here. So I could be wrong. Maybe I mean I don't know if you like it or love it or or you're indifferent towards it, but um, I, I am prepared to be convinced differently. Well, I, I do think that um, I wish that there was a world where we could take the strengths of both films and mm-hmm. make one film about a mother and a daughter on a road trip together across the country. Um, I, I, I So, there's a part of me that's like, I think both of these films do some stuff really well uh, and some stuff not as well. Um, but what's interesting about this movie as opposed to Anywhere But Here is that this film gets the critics. This film gets, you know, the Academy Award nomination. This film gets the Golden Globes. Whereas Anywhere But Here comes out in September and perhaps it was a release date thing and people, you know, whatever the case might be. But um, this film comes out right in the Academy Award corridor, November 24th. Like it's right there you know, for the taking and all of that. Um, I, I guess my question to you is you saw this when you were a teenager, Emmy. Uh, I would have been probably like, if this came out in 99, I, not to make anyone feel old. I would have been, uh, I would have been 11. Six. 
So <laughs> we've, we've had been, people have, that have been like you know, six. No, I have, you know, I have a young face. I have a young face. I am, I'm, you know, I'm a 32 year old adult woman at this point, but yeah, I would have been 11 or 12 probably. Okay. So this film comes out a little bit before your teenage years, but I'm still, but, but you're, you're, you're actually kind of around the age of Ava. Yeah. Did this film sort of, I mean, I guess, you know, you said you watched this with your mom. I mean, I, I'm assuming that there's some sort of a, you know, something to be taken away from it. If you're sitting next to your mom with a film about a little girl and her mom, like was, was, did you have a positive experience? Did you like it when you were a kid? Um, I, yeah, I think I remember probably liking it. Like I, I, it had been so long since I had seen it that I really didn't remember a lot about it other than the very basic plot line. Sure. sure. Um, but I, because I was, I've always been such like a precocious kid and I was always yeah. like three going on 30 like I was already watching a ton of different stuff so like it's not that I would have seen like Alice doesn't live here anymore but it's it's like I was a sophisticated <laughs> enough uh kid that probably I can't imagine that I didn't enjoy it and I think probably like even though that wouldn't have been my experience obviously with my mother I think I think the movie gets a lot of stuff right about um, really solid mother-daughter relationships. And there's a lot of like nice specificities to, uh, to the writing and the repartee between these two actors that, um, that feels so genuine to like a a mother-daughter experience. Like I've always had a really good relationship with my parents and always a pretty good relationship with my mom. And I, I don't remember ever getting super rebellious as like a teenager against my mother, but like, you know, you have your moments of like butting heads. And I, I think there's plenty in the movie um, that like gets at those moments of prickliness, maybe not so much with the same specificity that I would have seen in something like Lady Bird, which really felt more accurate to my experiences sometimes with my mom or um, maybe even anywhere but here, but it's been a while since I've seen that. Well, so. I think it's, so I want to kind of, I want to talk about the Gavin O'Connor of it all a little mm-hmm. bit because well, Gavin can, O'Connor. Can, 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 can you table that for sex? I want to go on what Emmy was just saying. Please. Yeah. Um, Cause I think that you're, you're kind of hit you. I think you did hit on where my issues with this film lie. Um, I love Lady Bird. And I thought Anywhere But Here ultimately kind of proved to be a movie that that really, really spoke to me um, upon reflection. And they're set up in a way that um, they're set up to succeed because, mm-hmm. you, because you have a very strong conflict at the center of those movies, coupled with the inescapability of the mother-daughter or parent-child relationship. You're stuck with this person that you can't stand. Uh, and I really thought that was very strong about anywhere but here. This idea of it doesn't matter what, how much you personally like this person, or even if this person is emotionally abusive towards you, if this person is taking you, if your, your mother is taking you across the country, you have no choice but to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of spoke to me, uh, both in terms of you know reflections on my real life, but also 
um, the power of the moment um, within the movie. The relationship between Jenna McTeer and her daughter, Ava, um, the actress's name is Kimberly Brown. Kimberly Brown. Yeah. Um, is, is very positive. Yeah. And uh, very loving and very supportive both ways. And what that does to me is make all the conflict external. And um, mm-hmm. I think the conflicts in this movie are really weak, really lacking. Part of that has to do with the fact that Gavin O'Connor himself is one half of one of those conflicts. And I think he's a pretty weak actor. But I also think it's pretty um, derivative of other things I've seen. And I think the third act turn when Ava runs away is really out of nowhere and really unearned um, and doesn't speak to the relationship that I saw within this movie. It doesn't speak to the maturity of the younger character, who I thought was very mature, uh, or um, the the obvious support you get from Janet McTeer's character, who is willing to leave men for her daughter, who is uh, overjoyed when she hears she gets Juliet, and then even more overjoyed when she hears she got Romeo. I, it, it, the, the whole thing felt like a character study that forced the plot upon it. Um, and to me, kind of one of another Fishner Valfour. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, I hear all of that and I, I don't, I don't necessarily a hundred percent disagree with you, but I, I'll say this. I, I think that this film really kind of won me over by the end. Um, it kind of snuck up on me in a weird way, which I didn't really expect it to. Um, you know, I watched it yesterday, and yesterday was a very emotional day. Uh, for those who, if you know, we're, we're time stamping this a little bit, but yesterday was inauguration day, and it was sort of, you know, there was a lot going on. And um, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little distracted in the first kind of half hour or so of the movie, just my mind being kind of all over the place. By the end of this film, I found myself um, surprisingly emotionally engaged in what was going on. I don't think this film is striving for the same levels of, and I, and I mean, we're inevitably going to be comparing this to anywhere, but here a fair amount, mm-hmm. but I think that anywhere, but here um, perhaps has loftier ambitions um, and is, is, is trying to do more. Um, and I don't think this film has the same ambitions. I think that this film is, is trying to be um, smaller and, and more grounded and, um, and uh, messier in its own way. This isn't a studio movie. This is an independent movie. Um, you know, Anywhere But Here feels like a big studio movie with two big movie stars. And um, it, it's slicker. It's, it's got higher production value. It's got all sorts of stuff in its corner. Um, you know, this is a movie that was made for $300,000. Um, so this, this film is just, is just striving for something different. Um, you know, does it succeed I, I, entirely? I don't know if that's true. I like that's 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 I don't know what it's striving for. Like I, I read a little bit about the story. I understand that um uh Gavin O'Connor and his wife at the time, whose name is Angela Shelton. Yeah, Angela Shelton. Angela Shelton yeah. uh wrote it together based on her memories of her childhood. Mm-hmm. Um it seems quite derivative of other movies like this. Um, it does not seem to be striving for anything different. It just seems like a, a low budget version. And it felt to me like the shaggy dogness of it was what it was trying to uh, sell to you. Um, almost, 
almost cynically. I, I think that without the central performance from Janet McTeer, this movie would have been completely ignored. And she just happens to be the kind of actor um, who is, she's, she's spectacular. Like she's yeah. an amazing, she's an amazing actor and she could probably make almost anything watchable, which she kind of does. Like this movie only works because the two actors are really fucking strong. Yeah. But um, like, and the, the daughter is really fucking strong. But uh, there's to me, there's almost nothing on the on the on the page, or there's nothing about the plot, or there's nothing about any kind of allegorical um, resonance going on here that that I I could stick my teeth into. I get that. I I think um, I I think yeah, it's it's spot on that this is definitely becomes a showpiece for Janet McTeer. But I think if you give Janet McTeer any space to do anything she's just such an electrifying actor to watch she i mean she has the the best technique she's classically trained she's a stage actress she knows how to just like draw you in it's there i mean if you gave her enough space she's gonna make you watch her do anything but yeah i i think perhaps what you're hitting on is that it's it doesn't feel like there's enough of a conflict maybe between her and uh, between Mary Jo and Ava. I, I think that if, if Ava and, and her were maybe butting heads a little bit more, it, um, it would feel a little bit stronger because it winds up feeling like the conflict is more like Mary Jo has, she's just always running, 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 running from man to man to man to man. And so that's, I mean, her conflict is really that she needs to like grow up, but it's almost like they needed to make her a little less mature and make Ava a little more mature so that it's like, it is really like daughter taking care of mother and daughter finally putting her foot down and saying like, Hey, you're supposed to raise me. And this is what's best for me. And you need to be the adult. And I think it's, it's missing maybe a little bit of that. I, I appreciate kind of having more of a positive mother daughter experience because to me, sometimes it feels like there's so many movies about like mothers and daughters absolutely like hating each other. And then they feel completely melodramatic and they go completely Mildred Pierce, which I love by the way, I love when, you know, when they're calling each other like trash. Like, I love that. Who doesn't love that? But it's like, I, you know, this, this is not that kind of movie. No. Um, and and I, I appreciate having this like loving relationship at the center. But I think if, as you're saying, if the conflict is supposed to be more that Mary Jo is kind of this immature woman that needs to to grow up and settle down. And she does eventually find this kind of grounding presence in this community and a grounding, an actual grounded adult man in J.O. Sanders character, an actor that I also love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, if she's going to find all that, then you I also have to like, yeah, you also have to like, just make her a little more, um, a little more childish and her daughter a little more mature so that you have a little bit more of this like contrast between the two that I think is maybe yeah. more apparent in anywhere. But I here. think that's what, I think that's one way to do it for sure. 
I also don't necessarily have a problem with them, you know, being like uh, the Gilmore's being like Laura, Laura yeah, yeah, Laura, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, I think sure. that there's, I, I think that there's room for the idea that you have, or even, you know, they're not mother and daughter, but like uh, Thelma and Louise, I think there's mm -hmm. room sure. for people to have a very strong central relationship, you know, go back to back with each other and just fight all comers. Yeah. Um, I think that, the external forces here, with the exception of Noah Emmerich, who should have just been playing the Gavin O'Connor part, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, seem pretty tame. And the obstacles seem really low. And Mary Jo seems to overcome them very easily. Um, so as a piece of like narrative filmmaking, uh, it's, it's flat. Not necessarily... It's not necessarily an, a, 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 a blanket indictment of the movie because you could still do what, what I was hoping this movie would do, which is bring me somewhere. You know, I thought that we were going to get a road movie where I was going to go places and see things and experience, experiencing thing, experience things that I hadn't really experienced before. I thought the stuff on the road was pretty cool, but they were in California by like the 20 minute mark. And then the movie just stopped for me. So I, mean, I thought, I, I, like, I was ready. Phil, I was going to text you like twenty minutes into the movie and just say like, like, like something like, "Fuck yeah, Tumbleweeds, it's great." Because I did think it was great <laughs> for twenty minutes, but it really slowed down for me. I mean, I, I, like, was, I found it real boring. Go like from that point forward. I, I hear that. I do. And and listen, I'm not. I'm I'm not going to sit here and and. <clears throat> Absolutely defend this movie because I think that I have I have issues with it as well, and obviously we'll talk about that. But um, I, I I have to say that I guess I was just a little bit more charmed by it than you were, Kenning. I think that yeah. um, I don't. It doesn't. I I'm. You know this probably better than anybody, Kenny. That you know I don't I don't need a lot of plot. I don't need a noisy movie just because you know. Um, and I'm not saying that you do, Kenny. I, I just think that. Um, you know, I like noisy movies. Don't I, get me wrong. I, I, you know, I'll I, I can just sit with um, you know uh, a before sunrise or a before sunset where literally nothing happens and people just talk for two hours. That doesn't bother me. Um, yeah. If if the but, if but, the but there are, there are arcs in that movie. Characters change. Like the, the that that that's I not okay. fair. But, that's not fair. Well, no, like, no. I, I'm. Let, let me finish. Okay. I think that I mean I, I I I hear where you're coming from, and I'm and first of all, I would lay down in traffic for the before trilogy. I'm not in I any know. way, shape, or form saying that these films are equatable, <laughs> but I want to just say that that for me personally, the fact that this movie doesn't sort of um, doesn't quote unquote do a lot that that to me just that didn't bother me as much as perhaps it bothered you. Yeah. But I, I think that. What I did find interesting, and this is where sort of the Gavin O'Connor thing comes in. I agree with you, Kenny. I don't think that Gavin O'Connor should have acted in this film, and there's a reason why he hasn't acted since. Um, you know, he's 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 a much better director than he is actor. Um, and there's any number of people that I think had he cast that role with a stronger actor, all of that storyline would have been upped in I terms mean, of just it. It's crazy to me that they had Noah Emmerich for a scene. And yeah, I don't. Well, yeah, in I the don't, role I don't they used him in, when Gavin O'Connor easily could have been the wife beating boyfriend, right. yeah, and then just had a really strong actor like Noah totally. Emmerich play that role. Are they like actually, friends or something? They are friends. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say because I know yeah. he's Noah been Emmerich's in, a in of uh, his, yeah, in the Americans, obviously. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's not a badly written role. It's not a no, badly no, no, no. It's, just, it's so overperformed. It's the scene in or she- underperformed. Weirdly. Yeah, I find it's like it times when it's really low and then really high. It's it's yeah. the part I'm thinking is in this in this in the seafood restaurant when yeah, it's the just, diner. It's, yeah, the, yeah. Almost, yeah. it's almost too much for me. I mean, I can see in my kind of log of the movie where I started go saying things like this girl is fantastic, the art direction is so strong. To like, actually, I think this is really boring. So like, I. I don't know. I, I think that I think that honestly, the Gavin O'Connor part when he comes into the movie as a love interest just stops it dead in its tracks. Um, I think that's a well. Big I mean, problem. I don't. I don't disagree that the that the casting of that role is is problematic. Um, it 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 really throws the film off. He's not great. Had it been Noah Emmerich or somebody of, of a higher caliber of acting, um, I think perhaps we're talking about a different movie or at least a storyline that we're a little bit more engaged in. I'm not disputing any of that. What I think is interesting is that Gavin O'Connor, who has who has now sort of carved out a little bit of a lane for himself, making pretty overtly masculine sports <laughs> movies, yeah. started his career with this small, overtly feminine movie about this mother and daughter, which he did for all intents and purposes, pretty adroitly. Like, I, 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 all warts and all, I see this film for what it is, Kenny. I'm not saying that, that I don't. But that he has this arrow in his quiver in terms of being able to do something like this, I think it's surprising that he hasn't in any way sort of... Re- like, I'm thinking about the female characters that he's worked with or directed, um, and, and most of them, short of uh, Elizabeth Jennings in The Americans, are kind of forgettable female characters. So it's just, it's just interesting that he made a film that, for, you know, whether you like the film or not, has two very strong, solid performances and characters at its center. Um, and I, I hope that he does something like that, something like that again in the future. Yeah. And my, I guess my question is like how, you know, how much of that is coming from him and how much actually sure. came from Angela? Because obviously it was her story, her life that this was yeah. taken from. And I have to assume that some of these specificities that I mm-hmm. like are probably also coming from her, which is, again, not to say that men cannot write women in a specific yeah, way and in a way that I, as a woman, can't um, can't identify with and understand. There are plenty of men who have written wonderful uh, female characters that have a lot of a lot of depth and um, a lot of specificity. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I think I wonder how much is coming from him and how much is coming from her. But then to have started kind of started his career with a movie like that. um, Mm -hmm. It is a little baffling as to why he hasn't tried to do anything sort of like that. And the last two movies he's made, by the way, have been with like Ben Affleck. And so it's like, (laughs) you know, uh, pretty soon he'll probably direct him in a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. I don't know. (laughs) Here's Uh, hoping. I mean, I know that that's what Kenny would love to see. But, you You know, know, I love Ben Affleck. I know you love yeah, Ben Affleck. Yeah, I, I like Ben Affleck too. I just think it's – and he, then he did like Jane Got a Gun, which I never saw. Yeah, kind of got again, weirdly buried. Yeah, yeah but, but that, then there again, it's like you have another kind of 
sort of woman centric story for all I can tell. This is true. This is true. But it's like, there's something, there's something sweet, you know, there's something sweet to tumble, you know, to tumble weeds. That's like, um, there's like a sweetness, there's a gentleness to it that I like. It has like that kind of rambling quality. Um, and it's, it makes me wonder why, you know, he hasn't wanted to go try something like that again. Maybe it's just that he needs that other female element. I, you know, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I just don't, I just don't really, I, I, I kind of, I kind of blanch at the, at the framing of this as if this is a success. I, I understand that it's not offensive. Which I appreciate. <laughs> well, I don't know why you're laughing. That that's not no, no, a, I, no, I don't not, think it's not really an response. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's an offensive portrayal of these characters. But I, I don't think like I don't think that that this is something that that uh, anybody should hold up as a as a great film or even a a great film um, or even a great portrayal of these characters. I think that. I think that this is like to me, milquetoast, boring, not brave, uh, with almost no incident, um, and I, I, I there, there's no to me there's no emotional bravery here the way there wasn't anywhere but here. Um, I just it, it, it if anything it does feel like it's to me made by a man because. It doesn't even dare consider the possibility that these characters are anything other than essentially saints. Um, and I think he almost seems afraid well, to interrogate what's going on with these characters. Um, it's I, I that 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 is really really how I feel. I feel like there the, there's a complete lack of emotional bravery and bravery when it comes to storytelling. Um, I think this is very emblematic of of some independent movies at the time where the independentness of it is what gets by. And again, I do think like to some extent, Janet McTeer can, can, you know, play the phone book. I've, <clears throat> I watch Ozark. I think she's on fucking believable in that show. Um, I think she's amazing in Albert and Albert Nobs. Like she really, you know, I obviously I've never seen her on the English stage, but she's an amazing actor, but that alone is not enough for me to say this is a good film. I mean, listen. I, I the reason that I that I, I didn't laugh, but the reason that I smiled earlier is to say that a film that made one point three million dollars has eighty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes and got an Oscar nomination. To say that's not a success, I think, is perhaps unfair. I well, think no, that no, no, you no, might no, no. admit that you might not have liked. Wait, to say that it is a success just because other people like it is absurd. You should well, feel the way you feel about a movie. I don't care what Rotten Tomatoes says. I care what I think, and I don't think this is a success. And I'm making the point that isn't Rotten Tomatoes liked it. I am using, I, I'm actually, I'm actually discussing the film instead of saying, well, you know, it made 1.3 million dollars, therefore it's a success. No, no, no. You, you, I, I, I hear you. I'm not. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm not. You know, dismissing what you're, what you're saying. I'm really just saying that I think that. There were some people that liked the film. I didn't dislike the film as much as you did. And the fact that that there are levels of success to this to some degree, I think it's a little bit unfair to say that that Kev, that, that Gavin O'Connor shouldn't ever attempt to you're, to you're 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 missing the point. 
uh, I don't care about the commercial success, and I don't care about the success uh, from an aggregation of critics. I'm telling you why I didn't find this to be a successful movie, and I think it might speak to why other people haven't given Gavin O'Connor a movie like this in the future because I don't think he was successful. However, that's speculation. What I know for sure is the way I feel. How do you feel about the movie? I don't care what you what you what kind of. Stack. I think I've been pretty. I think I've been pretty clear about it. But I, I understand. Charming. I I think it's a I think it's a better film. I certainly think it's a better film than you do. I, I think that that you, you know you, you speak of of a lack of emotional honesty. Um, I, I think that the scene between Ava and um, forgive me, what is it? Don is his name. What's his name? The the yeah Dan Dan, Dan. yeah uh, in the RV. I think it's a beautiful scene, and I think that that yeah. Jay is is tremendous in that scene. Um, I think it's I, I, I think it's a ridiculous scene. Could you well, imagine? It, I think he's, and again, like the, it does speak to the power. It does speak to like J.O. Sanders. Is, that's his name, right? Yeah. He, he a tr- tremendous job, tremendous mm-hmm. job with a monologue that, in a vacuum, is a winner. But put it in the context of get, delivering this monologue <laughs> to a child that you hardly know in an RV. That she stumbled into, where she stumbled into you for the third time this movie, it is absurd. The premise of this situation is absurd, and I can't d- divorce myself from how ridiculous that moment is. You have to earn moments like that. You can't just you can't just present a moment where this guy unloads on a twelve year old that he killed his wife because he was a drunk driver, and say that is emotion. That's not emotion. I, that moment was not earned. That moment was 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 forced upon the audience in a very weird and awkward way. Well, I guess I mean, listen, we can we can have a, a larger discussion, and we might very well have it during this episode in terms of of why something, uh, why a scene exists and if it should exist. But you know, the scene worked for me. You know, it it it. I, I was emotional watching the scene, so you know, we can certainly argue about whether or not it was earned or not but if it if it garners an emotional response there's you know it's doing something right um for for me yes but you should but i think you should interrogate why you felt the way you felt for me i think it, it it comes from a place of like i think when you put him in contrast with these other men that like He's he's kind of like the opposite end of these other men that uh, Mary Jo has spent her life like running away from, right? Like he could have been those guys and kind of was, and he had to face an actual consequence for the choice that he made. So now he's like living with that choice. Um, I understand feeling like uh, this is kind of like absurd to unload it on a 12 year old. It's a lot to unload on a kid, but also he, he spent enough time like around her and with her that I think he probably senses that she's like mature. I don't know. As to like, like the, whether or not the movie is brave enough. I think also that problem can just be from when you're interrogating something that is so deeply personal to you, like, you know, like this, this is a story that is so personal to, to Angela. And I'm, I'm guessing 
that he perhaps gave more credence to her to like hash some of this stuff out and, and to like develop it how she wanted, because it's like her story. Um, and he may not have wanted to, to push her to a different place or she felt like she didn't want to push there. I think it's like some of that can just be from her. And at that point in her life, she felt like that that was far enough and there wasn't, she didn't want to take it farther or maybe she didn't feel like it needed to be taken farther. I think like my, my thought is that it's like when something is, it sits too close to home, uh, maybe you're not ready to go there. And then she made, you know, after that she made like a documentary about her life and, and the abuse that she went through and living in foster homes and that, which I have not seen to me sounds like a much deeper interrogation of things sure. that she, she went through. And this is kind of a nice thing. And part of me wonders if this would have been a story that would have been better on stage um, because you have a couple really strong characters and I think it's something you could very easily adapt to the stage where again, Janet McTeer would just tear it up and would probably have a Tony for it. Um, You know, you could make it a two character play or, or a two character with one man who plays all these other roles and it it could be a great play. You're hitting on, I mean, you you bring up a lot of interesting points. You're hitting on a lot of interesting things. I mean, she doesn't owe the audience anything except for her best attempt at doing a good job, whatever that is. Right. right? All she all, all she owes is her best attempt at, at telling whatever the story is she wants to tell in whatever way, save for Gavin O'Connor. So I I don't I'm not presupposing that she held back on us. What I'm saying is if this is the story that they wanted to tell in this way, this, if you set it alongside every other film in the history of cinema, feels very derivative of so many films I, I felt. Now, I could speculate that in the absence of the real details you're talking about that sound harrowing, it, they substituted tropes and things that we've seen before that, to me, left me pretty cold. Um, but yeah, she, they, they can tell whatever story they want to tell. I, I just, I just don't think there was anything new or, 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 or interesting here. And, um, you know, and with regards to the, the, the Dan character, uh, I, I mean, look, I, I, I didn't like that for a lot of reasons. I didn't like that character for a lot of reasons. I don't like the idea that it doesn't, again, you can go whatever direction you want to go in. And maybe her mother in real life did finally find, you know, solace with a good man. That is not a particularly satisfying ending in general. Um, To have someone who is with a succession of abusive men to find a good man. It, that, 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 that's not a victory to me. Um, he also strikes me, and this is going to sound a little weird, but like as a manic, manic, manic pixie dream boy, because he's too good to be true. He has almost no character throughout the movie except for he's vaguely nice and can quote, quote Shakespeare. But he just stands in contrast to the other assholes, but he doesn't do anything. Um, and then, I again, I, I really found the the RV scene with the um, with the the confession 
to just be really emotionally manipulative um, and apropos of nothing. So that's really how I, how I feel. Phil, how do you feel? I mean, I, I you know, listen. I, this is this is not a film that I that I feel particularly passionate about, or or one that I'm gonna you know deeply ride for here. Um, I, I I think you know, listen. You're obviously you know, you feel the way you feel about it. I think you're being a little harsh. That's just me personally. I don't think that the film is. You is, could engage with it. You don't have to just say, "Oh, you feel the way you feel." Like, well, you know, I, 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 well, I, I, listen, man. I, I, I think that we, we've, you know, this is, this is a small independent movie um, that was made in sort of the the heyday of of independent cinema, or at least a different heyday of independent cinema in '99. Um, I think that this film has the best of intentions. Uh, and it, it is successful in some regards and unsuccessful in others. Um, I think that you can see a lot of of Gavin O'Connor's um, abilities or what he starts to hone on his craft a little bit in this film. In terms of, you know, I, I appreciated the you know the the handheldness of it, the groundedness of it. I liked the messiness of the relationships and of, of quite frankly, just some of the the way that the scenes actually played out. They weren't they weren't clean and slick. Um, it's one of my issues with anywhere but here, which is that I think that that film ultimately, I liked the film. Um, Rochelle Lefebvre was, was unbelievably effective at, uh, at, if you ever listen to the episode, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a therapy session for Kenny and I. And, and <laughs> literally, into literally, we really have to stop the episode at some point. You had to, really you had to cry. Yeah. We was, had, we had a moment. So, because you know. The, because the movie is, because the movie is about. Emotional abuse. The sure. movie is about yeah, yeah, yeah. being imprisoned by your parents. Sure, sure. And I'm not saying that's what every movie has, has to be about. And like these movies really yeah. aren't the same, except for it's about, you know, mother and daughter. Mother and a daughter yeah. who yeah. essentially travel from sure. one place to another, and the mother seems to be in search of a husband. But the mothers are very different from the daughters. Uh, sure. I'm sorry. The, the the mothers are different from each other. The daughters are different from each other. Yeah. The relationships are different from each other. They're not similar movies. I think like I the first question I had when I expected to like this um, <laughs> was basically I think people who don't know anything about these two movies except what they've heard. Except yeah. they're kind of except kind of the, the the imprint they've made on the mm-hmm. the collective consciousness. Yeah. Assume that tumbleweeds is a success and anywhere but here is a failure. And I think that's borne out with things like I'm sure anywhere but here made more money, but I'm sure it may had, you know, kind of a, a lower percentage. percentage of, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. And uh Tumbleweeds had the Oscar nomination for John McTeer. And Tumbleweeds is eighty two percent, and I'm pretty confident anywhere but here was under fifty percent. Um, my question was, which movie would you rather be? Like, I right it, because when you said, and Phil, I don't mean to like just call you out, but when you said, you know, when you led your defense of it with, it's an independent movie. I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. I am sitting there paying the. I am. I'm sitting there paying the same amount of money to sit in the theater, and I expect something that's exhibited to me in a theater to be excellent um, or I hope it will be excellent. I've seen plenty. We all have seen plenty of movies made for under $500,000 that are incredible. 
So it's it's not I, I don't think it deserves bonus points for being made for less money. And on top of that, I'm pretty confident that this movie benefited from the fact that it was made for less money. Because I do think that people give independent films sometimes the benefit of the doubt that you don't get when you start when you have Susan Sarandon and Natalie Portman star the movie. I mean, I, I think that I mean, listen, I think I think both of these films were were aimed at similar similar demographics. I think that um, you know, I, I think that just looking at anywhere but here, you know, sixty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes certainly not the worst score. Uh, made twenty three million on a twenty three million dollar budget. Like no one lost their shirt on that movie. I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying that those are metrics with which we should be garnering, you know, success or failure. But my, I guess my, well, I my point. Tumbleweeds, tumbleweeds exists and anywhere but here doesn't. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I mean ish <laughs> i mean i i i mean truthfully like tumbleweeds both of these movies feel like they don't really exist to me and i would argue that it might be because i'm a man uh and that, that these movies weren't really necessarily aimed at me um they're both kind of oscar Beatty movies in their own in their own way um one was successful I, and one wasn't in getting what, an what, oscar nomination uh, right. getting an oscar nomination but i i i guess my ultimately where i come down on this movie just to be completely above board is that um, is it a movie I'm ever going to watch again? No. Uh, is it is it a movie that that is going to stay with me? Probably not. Uh, did by the end of the film, did I find myself more emotionally engaged with it than I expected to be, considering the subject matter and and the and the various things that Kenny's talked about? Yes. Uh, you know, did 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 the Dan character work for me? Uh, sure. Am I am I a sucker for for tropes? Probably. Like I'm not. I'm not. Like I'm. I'm not trying to be uh dismissive of of the strikes you have against it kenny because i think they're completely valid i just yeah. don't think that they that that they necessarily hit me as hard as they hit you but i also will say as i sort of prefaced all of this you know did this movie have my full attention or was i thinking about the future of this country for most of the time <laughs> that i was watching it yeah. i mean i i don't know so it's it's just and again like you know, I agree with what you're saying, uh, Kenny, in terms of the relationship between uh, Susan Sarandon and, and Natalie Portman versus uh, Mary Jo and Ava in this. Um, this film has very low stakes. The relationship between yeah. them is not nearly as fractured, isn't nearly as broken, isn't nearly as tense, um, and just doesn't have the levels of I don't levels of depth that the relationship has in anywhere but here. Um, 
and it's worse off for it for sure. Then uh, I, I am in, as a viewer, and this is like this is really why I I, I kind of have like I, I gave a very bad grade. This is really why I've crossed <laughs> over from a movie that is fine mm-hmm. to a movie that I really dislike because I I feel like in the third act when you yeah. have something as rash and dangerous as Ava running away yeah preceded by almost nothing that would make you think that that's a possibility for this character mm-hmm. um i feel like they're trying to manipulate me and i think that it's kind of unfair um sure. or it's that like it could also be that like you have to do something that dramatic because your mother is not going to get it. Otherwise it's like maybe her mother would not have understood that like, there's a fucking consequence to like not growing up. Like, like this daughter is like screaming to have like, have some roots anywhere. So like, it makes sense to me that you might do something that is completely like seems completely wild. I don't know that it's like completely out of character because she's 12. And like the first thing a 12 year old is going to think to do to get their parents' attention is to like go AWOL and like, well, you're not paying attention to me. So I'll make sure you never pay attention to me again. Um, You know, I think that's like, that's like, to me, a normal thing for a kid to just be like, well, I'm just going to like disappear and you'll never hear from me again. Um, But, you know, I think that it could be like, I agree that it does feel based on their relationship that we've built up to that point. It does. It does feel a little bit like, whoa, she just like ran out on her. They don't have this like emotionally abusive relationship. They have by all accounts, like a pretty, a pretty good understanding relationship. Her, she's able to like call her mom out on stuff in like a joking way. And her mother takes it very well. Um, And so it does feel a little out of left field, but I think, I think for me, I also agree that if somebody else other than Gavin O'Connor had played that role and really built up like how shitty of a dude this guy was and that Ava's just like, I've had enough. Like I'm tired of doing this. We, we go through this same routine over and over again. Um, which by the way, uh, I have to mention that the place that's supposed to be Missouri in the movie looks nothing like Missouri anywhere in Missouri. It is clearly like New Mexico and it's driving me crazy. So that is my one really major dislike. It's the same problem that I had with sharper, you know, what was it? Uh, yeah, sharp the, the sharp objects sharp object. because sharp Gillian ass. Flynn, she is from Kansas City, Missouri, and that fucking show was shot in Atlanta, Georgia, and was I knew it, it the yeah. whole I knew it the whole time because it didn't look like Missouri, and no one in Missouri has an accent that sounds like oh Scarlet Fiddle Dee Dee, like no one sounds like that in Missouri. <laughs> literally no one sounds so weird about that show is it was clearly in missouri because they clearly said it several times but if you asked me where it was filmed or it was set i think i would have said georgia and it was filmed in georgia because no 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 i didn't mean film set 
If you ask me, yeah, 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 sure. Because, because, well, because you're right. It's so confused. It's they, internally confused. They made it a Southern Gothic. And I was like, first of all, yes. Missouri, Missouri's not a Southern state. The boot heel is basically Southern, but I don't yeah. think about them. No one cares. Um, Are there like plantation homes there? Like, uh, Not really. I mean, not not like this tan- I love that this has I gone on a tangent. In, uh, I thought it was but, in Savannah. That's where my brain went. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that like like that. Savannah. Yeah, but the, yeah. anyway, the point is that this the scene in Tumbleweeds, it's supposed to be in Missouri, looks nothing like Missouri. It's clearly like outside of New Mexico or wherever. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this, come on. Y'all could have done, there's plenty of locations in California that you can make look like Missouri. Um, but yeah, I think the point is that like, if, if I'd had more, I think if you put a different, you know, not like a Sam Rockwell, but somebody that has that like, explosive more explosive energy that yeah. would have made me feel like uh wow this guy is really like well it also you know. what it what it robs you of kenny and it's something you mentioned to sort of piggyback on what you were saying earlier it, it robs you of uh of danger quite frankly yeah uh, yeah, yeah. It, there's it, just not a danger you, it robs you of 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 stakes and and sort of a a, a a tension and a crackle that the movie desperately needed so i i you know it's 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 it is a it's unfortunate my my assumption is he cast himself for for budget purposes yeah, which I is that he but well, there's like, more danger in the trailer frankly from like yes from yes the first the first half yeah. of the trailer makes it seem like i don't know if fucking hillbilly elegy or something like a movie <laughs> i also have not seen so I like yeah. Ron Howard, but I and I love the two actresses, but I won't. Yeah, I'm no, not going to watch. No, it. But, no, but there's way more danger in the trailer because you get all you get all this like stuff with her like fighting the Noah Emmerich character and all, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. this is like I don't know, win- well, it, backwards Winter's Bone or something, and like <laughs> with like yeah. Alice doesn't live here anymore, and I'm like, great, I'm on board, and then you watch it and you're kind of like, oh well, we needed you need a little more of that danger all the way through and all these guys i think we needed more information about all these different it's men the too. danger is a big element that we're missing yeah i think question. that's it yep. but the other element that we're missing is i can't imagine for instance that they thought that what they were writing was dangerous but i do think what they thought they were writing was desperate and I feel like they thought they were writing desperation over and over again. Now, I'm not saying I need desperation, but it seemed like that that's what they were playing. Mm-hmm. Yet at every turn, there the the as I said earlier, the obstacles were so low, and it was so easy for them to overcome them that I never truly felt like these characters were at any sort of real risk. I mean, uh wild um wild tangent i'm about to throw at you but this morning uh i watched two episodes of the connors and the connors by the way the first two episodes of the season uh yo that's a good show yeah i've heard it's a good show Uh, it is a good show now it takes place in the pandemic and in the first in the first episode like they're in the this is the first episode i've ever seen of the show i mean i've obviously seen roseanne but i just threw it on because i thought it would be safe for my child um <laughs> they uh it's in the pandemic and, have, <laughs> and, and, and john goodman gets an eviction notice and i am immediately feeling all right so they're in the pandemic 
the land for lunchbox is struggling. Like restaurants are shutting down. Um, all this horrible stuff is happening and they're getting evicted in five days. That's fucking danger and desperation. Yeah. I don't know how the Connors are going to get baby. And it's not like, you know, there's, there's no one coming and killing anybody. There's no one, there's no murder on the loose. There's no abuse. There's just something clear. And I don't know how they're going to get out of it. I never felt like that with this family because she got the first job she she applied for. Yeah, she went out. She went out. She met a guy. She met a guy on the on the side of the road, and yeah. then ran into him again in a bar. Yeah, everything was just it was so. Again, all of these decisions aren't deadly, but if you're gonna make the movie like this, you have to give me something else which is elevated, and the movie to me. Again, I thought when I said the art direction was so good, which I think the art direction was quite good, uh, Ava's bedroom was awesome. Yeah. Like, like that bedroom was so evocative in a way that it felt like a 12-year-old's bedroom, but didn't feel like every other 12-year-old's bedroom. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. that I really loved. Like, And I thought that there was – I thought that's what we were getting, which is like this feels like a mother-daughter relationship we've seen before, but not – But I'm sorry, this feels like a real mother-daughter relationship, but not like every other one. And to me in the end, it felt like every other one – on a smaller budget with a worse actor, you know, s- sitting across the table. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's interesting you bring up the Ava thing because as I'm sort of in my brain going back through the movie as to the stuff that stayed with me, most of it is the Ava stuff. It's not the Mary Jo stuff. I, I thought that I, I think the, the Lois Smith scenes are nice because um, mm-hmm. I think Lois Smith is a very good actress. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 and this isn't to take anything away from Jenny Mateer. Um, I guess I only felt sort of there's that one scene she has after Ava runs away with her friend Mm -hmm. and she kind of breaks down a little bit and you, and you're, and you finally feel like the, the armor has come down a little bit and you're seeing sort of the sheer tonnage of, of shit that this woman has sort of pushed down for however many years. Um, which I thought again is a really nice moment. Um, I'm I'm not sitting here saying that these nice moments all coalesce into a great film. I'm merely saying that like the the you know Ava going on a date with her boyfriend and not remembering to breathe, which by the mm-hmm. way is something that I also did when I was a teenager, so I empathize with that situation. Sure. But I, I I you know the those little moments of Ava's sort of and then and then the the Auntie Rose, I think, was their euphemism for uh, menstruation, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, which, again, was a nice moment that led to a scene that, yes, we've seen iterations of it before, but I thought it was executed quite well between the two of them. They felt very, uh, they felt real to me uh, to some degree or another. Um, I, I actually they felt think. real, too. Yeah. And a big part of that is because Kimberly Brown really did a great job. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like she, and and it's not a the dialogue isn't bad. The dialogue isn't embarrassing. Yeah. Um, the her her just her naturalistic acting was was truly yeah. like incredible. Like I really, I really did like you know. And what's weird is like I could see us in the I could see me in the end of this like fifty two like putting her on our best supporting because I loved her performance despite the fact. That I thought almost everything she did was like boring and tropey. I've seen so <laughs> many movies with a kid yeah. in it where it ends with that kid in a play. 
Yeah. I've seen so many movies yeah. in it where the kid, where it ends with a kid with that play with Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah, I've seen so many first kisses between kids that don't seem like they'd be kissing. Not that these two wouldn't kiss each other, but I, I was looking up this child's age because I thought she was like eight, right? I didn't know that she was twelve. Like twelve is, I mean, I guess you can kiss when you're twelve, but like she seemed, they seemed like know. little. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could, but they seemed like little kids. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that. It's interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking about Ava in the RV scene with Dan at the end. And and I don't disagree with you, Kenny, that like it, it, they're gilding the lily with what they do with Dan in terms yeah. of like, you know, they, they go too far with it. And I think yeah, yeah, that yeah. they could have definitely pulled back and hit the same thing. What Ava's doing in that scene, I think is actually kind of special. You know, the idea of Ava being like, well, I guess we're fucking leaving town again. Like, I guess this shit's, you know I mean? Like we, we've hit another wall and mom's going to drag us out of town again. The, 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 um, you know, the, the emotional kind of weight that this child is under because of her mother. Um, I felt that in that scene. And for me, that, that made that scene sing more so as good as Jo, uh, Jo is in the scene. And I think he is quite good in the scene, even if, like I said, that goes too far. It's just, I don't know, that type of stuff felt, that resonated with me, that kind of worked for me in, in, in one way or another, but you were going to say something, Emmy? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Emmy. Oh, no, I, uh, so I just, I was thinking again about, like, this idea of, like, desperation, and I think, I keep bringing this up, but it's just the movie that I keep thinking that it wants to be, which is Alice doesn't live here anymore, right? Where you've got, you've got a mother, right, where you've got a mother who is at her wits end. She's leaving her, her husband who was abusive to her, emotionally abusive, certainly, uh, has died. And she, she's dragging her kid who annoys the hell out of her. So like town to town and you feel that desperation of she cannot get a job. She can't get a job singing here. She can't get a job singing here. She has to take a job as a waitress. Nobody likes her. She hates her life. Her kid is driving her crazy, telling her the same joke over and over and over again. And like at every moment you just feel Ellen Burstyn like she is she is like frustrated she is at her wits end she loves the kid to pieces though she does love him to pieces but she is like she is also just like i gotta i gotta make this work for my kid i gotta get money i gotta figure out a life but also i have dreams i have things i want to do and i don't love it either that like at the end of that movie Look, we all get the allure of 70s Chris Christopherson. Who doesn't want a young Chris Christopherson? Who doesn't want to wind up with Chris Christopherson in the 70s, even in A Star is Born, where Barbara Streisand puts (laughs) glitter over his eyebrows in a bathroom? (laughs) Who doesn't want that? Um, But, like, I don't love either that that movie then ends with her having gone from, like, this abusive husband to this other guy who slapped her kid, by the way. Yeah. People left for that. She winds up with this guy. I think the ending of Tumbleweeds is a little more ambiguous as to whether or not Mary Jo kind of winds up with Dan. It's, like, moving in that direction. But, like... Was it? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you guys, because I found I, the ending a little confusing, right? I, like he I think it's a very confusing picture, ending. Right? He leaves the yeah. picture, he smiles, then he gets in his RV... And then we have no inclination that he 
that he didn't leave town? It's it's hard to say. <laughs> it gets a little uh, vague. It's, it's very vague. It just ends. Uh, it's like The Sopranos. You're like, what? Well, I, <laughs> That's I, it? I, They're talking I mean, about tampons? Like the Sopranos. It's, well, it's like The Sopranos of menstruation because it just they're talking about tampons <laughs> and, and then there's a like, photo oh, and then it's like, boop, yeah. the end. Yeah. Emmy, the uh, <laughs> with a freeze frame in 1999. Yep. The, um, the comparison to Alice doesn't live here anymore uh, really puts into kind of focus stark focus how stark bad this focus. movie is. yeah which is I'm hard because it's scorsese <laughs> you know it's hard it is it i is agree, scorsese, I agree. and to me it's it's one of my favorites of his and it's always one of the ones i hold up when people make the bullshit argument that he is bad for women because i'm like he's not he's not <laughs> like, there's so many there's so many instances of him not but which is a di- whole different that could be a different podcast on its own but like it is just the stakes are uh, there's so much more danger to that whole situation. She's also yeah. dealing with abusive men. She's dealing with a kid. The kid is less memorable in that movie to me, but the, all of those characters are people that I really want to know more about. I feel like I know who they are. Like I know who Chris Christopherson's character is in that movie. What kind of man he is, what he wants, what he doesn't want, what, what he likes for breakfast. I know everything about Diane Ladd's character, who she is. I don't know anything about Mary Jo's friend in this movie other yeah. than she's getting married, you know, yeah. there, so there, I understand what you mean is like, there's like a lot of missing information and I don't always need to have like no. 25 pages of backstory on every single character, yeah. you know, it's like, I don't always need all that. And I'm fine with like a character study, uh, you know, or, or a movie like, like Kelly Reichardt's certain women where it's just kind of these nice vignettes that like there's some I like more than others. I love you know? that movie. I love it's, it too, but like love that movie. the strength of that movie is in the Kristen Stewart vignette with there's a lot more tension. And so it's like I need a little more tension. And so I I totally get Kimmy, I totally get where you're coming from because I think the movie it just does not have the danger and the precariousness and the like the actual desperation of Alice doesn't live here anymore, where when you get to the ending of that, I do feel really much more like, Oh, like, wow, we really, we really did get somewhere (laughs) with these people. Um, And you're right. I don't feel that necessarily with, with tumbleweeds. I think like, yeah, this is uh, a nice movie. Uh, it's, it's a movie that I would put on my letterboxed list of like mid-budget mother-daughter movies that I enjoy that I think people should check out and compare and contrast. Uh, oh, he, you what, what you've done, Emmy, is like really pulling, you, you've kind of finished like the sentence for me, uh, <laughs> in a way, because you, you, you hit on something that I think is like this movie's final and fatal <laughs> Alice doesn't live here is told from the point of view of Ellen Burstyn. Yep. Yeah. Anywhere but here is told from the point of view of Natalie Portman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whose point of view is this movie told from? Yeah, I mean it's it, yeah. as as you were as literally as you were ramping up here, I was just like <laughs> I mean, I think if you asked Gavin O'Connor, he would probably say Ava. But I but don't it's think not it's clear. Desperately. It's I, not. Now I, think again, that's the, I think that's the whole thing. It's not very you clear. You don't need yeah. an answer to that question. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't need an answer to that question. Yeah. But I do think if you asked a hundred people who watched the movie, yeah. 50 would say Mary Jo and 50 would say Ava. Yeah. And I think so so that's part of the problem right there. Yeah. Um that because it's not clear which of these two people is our protagonist, it's not clear which of these two people is our dilemma, right? Yep. And that mm-hmm. is the big fucking issue with this movie. Yep. Because what you the, the as I said, you finished, you know, you finished the sentence, you really made me realize like all right, Alice's live here is to me brilliant because it actually feels like having a kid. Right? Like having a kid is the greatest thing in the world and you would do anything for it, but it is fucking hard work. All right. Sure. There's nothing about Ava that's hard work until the end. She's a, she's a dream it's child. True. It's true. Uh, on the flip side, anywhere but here uh, is told from Natalie Portman's perspective. And she is, in her own way, a dream child. But her dilemma yeah. is her mother. Her yeah. dilemma is my mother is a cancer on my life. Yeah. And, 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 and mentally unstable in like me- a yes, toxic way. Yes. Yeah. And what do I do? And the end of that movie is beautiful and brilliant because she leaves her. Yep. Like, not in a, like, I'm leaving you forever kind of way, but, like, I am actually strong enough yep. to go out on my own mm-hmm. despite your wishes. Yeah. This this movie doesn't have a protagonist. Therefore, it doesn't have a protagonist problem. Therefore, it doesn't have any... Or an any- antagonist. Or yeah, an antagonist. It, it doesn't... Rather. And that's the thing is it doesn't really have... It doesn't really have a clear, strong antagonist. And I think, like, we're supposed to think that the Gavin J. O'Connor character is our antagonist and he is at one point but like she already seems over him by the time she starts dating him like you look at her face and it's like clear when she sees him on the side of the road she's like ah yeah like this guy seems like somebody i would want to sleep with but like Mm -hmm. as soon as they actually start dating it's like you're so over him like there's nothing i can't find anything reason why you're like attracted to him really like it's Again, it's that, just, like, I, I, I think he needs you needed a care like an actor that yeah. just has actual a little more magnetism a little mm-hmm. more and I don't even I'm thinking in 1999 like who who that would be like who would be cheap enough who would oh, have a cheap it's, enough it's, fee, like, it's like Vincent you know? D'Onofrio yeah it's, it's, it's like, like a, a mad, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. there are these guys are all over the place it's like you know Chas Palminteri it's like these 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 guys. That that guy sure, sure. exists all over the place. The character I wanted to watch, and I wish we got, was the one who yeah. was like, this guy was in love with me with, in high school. He'll never stop being obsessed with me. I can go there. Yeah. I can get him back. And yeah. I can live off his like used car salesman money. That is like – that's a character. That is someone who has like this – bizarre drive she has a weird plan for her daughter she's willing to go to a weird situation by the way she's right high school love never does die like if he was in love with her in high school and he singled out he would have dropped it all a hundred percent and there's a movie there but this movie is is not like like that scene was uh, that scene was unnecessarily cruel where she just backed backed off right away i thought that too um and we lost potentially the most interesting you know well i think it's i i think there's something interesting to mary joe's sort of relentless shark kind of 
quality, this idea of her sort of going from one person to another to like just this, the devouring of relationships, the relentlessness of her, I think is interesting. I don't think it's weaponized uh, particularly well. No. And I don't think that they really kind of dig into the, the emotional fallout of that. Well, but there's, some, yeah. I've met those type of people and I think there's something interesting there. But like Susan Sarandon in, in anywhere but here is, is legitimately like, mentally unstable and has like serious psychological problems cruel she's a cruel and she's also a cruel right like there's there's dimension to her that 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 mary joe doesn't have yeah i i like the idea of this like you know i love a relentless woman in some ways i in my own life (laughs) about certain things i think Mm -hmm. i am relentless and i think women have to be relentless often Mm -hmm. times to get anywhere right um Mm -hmm. I think f- for me, Mary Jo is like, uh, she comes off a little bit like a, a, a budget Blanche Dubois. Like she's a little bit of a budget, <laughs> you know, a little bit of a budget Tennessee yeah. Williams character, right? She yeah. she loves these like, she loves these like 1950s cut dresses and hats. And she has this real, like, even though she's from North Carolina, she has this real like, Southern, uh, you know, Southern melodramatic bell thing going on um, that like in the 50s, you know, like you you can watch any any movie from the 50s is going to have like a character like this. But it's Mm -hmm. she she feels like an unfinished Tennessee Williams character. Really, it's like Mm -hmm. like there's something that's that's a little bit tragic about her, but she's she loves magic, and we're supposed to just you know almost feels she almost feels like like a shitty American version of a Mike Lee character in in a weird way. Like I, I there there's something sort of, but again, like you guys said something that really stuck with me. Both of you sort of hit on this, like the desperation component and lack thereof. Like Kenny, when you were talking about like the Connors and that the palpable sense of something foreboding, some, something is, is barreling down on us. um, And we have to fix something. There's, there's none of that in this film because to your point, Kenny, it's all too easy, right? Like there's just, yeah. there's very little, there's very little conflict in this film um, and there's very little um, obstacles. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's kind of neither fish nor fowl, right? Like it wants some things and it wants other things, but it never fully actually commits to a lot of stuff. Um, I think that's what it is. Yeah. And yeah. I think, and I, I think just back to kind of my, my, my number one first feeling was that this movie's not brave. Um, it, it, I don't think like, like the that. movie, the movie that Emmy was kind of pitching, uh, the idea of a relentless woman is great, and I do feel like she could be that. My my issue with kind of the the, the narrative arc as it is is that she just doesn't. She's not at fault. Right? She's not at fault. So what does she have to learn? What is she mm-hmm. like what has she really done wrong here except for like stand up for herself, except for leave bad situations? Right? Like she leaves her job because she's being sexually harassed. Like right. she I don't feel like she has I frankly, I feel like she really is about the best version 
of the character she could be from the onset of the movie, given the set of cards she was dealt. Right. But um, she doesn't she doesn't quite go through. It's like I, I like a relentless woman, and I also think that there are probably ways there are more obviously there need to be more ways we show how desperate she is and it can't be so easy but it's it's also that like when you get stuck in a uh an abusive cycle and 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 making or even just making the same cycle of toxic choices over and over again like I think that's something that Fleabag does really well is like, this is a woman that keeps making these same choices over and over and over again. And it is like entertaining to watch, but it also is very painful for her. And she's trying to like work through some shit. And I never really, you don't get that sense from Mary Jo because you're right. She is like, she immediately leaves her boss. Who's like sexually harassing her. She leaves all of these relationships. She may stay in them for a while, but they don't really investigate like, why yeah. it's like we need to we it's almost like they should have just picked not that i always want to watch women be abused all the time because there's like plenty of plenty of that out there too but it's like for for story purposes i think i agree that the idea of that like car salesman thing that'd be a really interesting movie and she has to stay there for a while and figure it out it's almost like you gotta you gotta figure out how to like work through those issues and we don't really understand what her issues are to work through other than being someone who is a serial monogamist who just like runs through she runs through men and and that's how she like makes her money and so if you do that then she needs to end up alone probably because you need to like learn to stand on your two feet on two feet especially as a woman and if she's like relentless enough she like needs to to like stand up for herself but like yeah it just it just feels like she she keeps making a lot of the same choices right the, this this cycle but but i don't get a sense of how it's like actually hurting her or affecting her because she immediately leaves all of the problems which she should do right she should do but like yeah. there's no there's no like we don't get a sense of like why like Alice doesn't live here anymore. When she leaves Harvey Keitel's character, it's because he's gonna beat the shit out of her and maybe kill her if she stays. And she's like, "Oh, well, this is no better than the one I was in before. I gotta just not be with men." And then she meets Chris Christopherson, who is a little different. But you you have to get so you but that's I'm not saying it yeah. has to be dark every time, but you that's the yeah arc. yeah yeah because. Yeah. because yeah. The the thing that like I'm with you. I'm like with you. I yeah. we're, we're like getting somewhere. Yeah. We're like getting somewhere. I, just, I feel like what's what's like <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like what, what what I'm coming to as you speak is this idea of like she keeps making like quote unquote the wrong choices, but not really. Because like what was the red flag that she should have seen with Gavin O'Connor? I would say there were none. This guy had a job. He treated her really respectfully on the side of the road, even though she was coming on to him. He seemed like a very normal guy. He was nice to the daughter in the beginning. There were no red flags with this guy. So so that wasn't yeah. a bad decision in and of itself. It turned out to be a bad decision. Now, if it turned out to be a bad decision, I do think that there is a certainly a wide enough berth to make the point that men are trash, which men are often trash. 
Yeah. If you're going to take the opinion that men are trash, there's only one way. But but you are still going to be a heterosexual woman who's who's looking to potentially be in a relationship with one of these trash men. The only way is to, is to fix yourself, yeah. to put yourself in a position <laughs> where you are confident enough to leave when the man in question reveals his true nature to be a trash man, which I think Dan might do at some point. I think that's the idea. But she never really does work on herself. She never really gets to that point where she says, I'm enough. I'm me. It's me and my daughter. We're good. Um, and then – because I think that's what happens and Alice doesn't live here anymore, right? I think at some point yeah. she says, I can do it. And once you say, I can do it, then whatever happens, happens. But if Chris Christopherson leaves her life the next time, she's going to be okay because she could stand on her own two feet. Yeah. So I, I – yeah, I, I get. I don't want her to be abused, and I don't. Yeah, it's, mind it's, the idea of like, yeah, I don't mind the idea that like Gavin O'Connor is kind of a s- stealth abuser, or it's not even really that. He's just kind of a difficult. Just kind of a stick in the mud. He sucks. He just kind of sucks. sucks. Yeah. Um. It sucks. But it sucks. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she she really really would have been helped. I get. She got the job at the nursery at the end. And there is something like kind of right. building there, the idea that she right. and it and it seems like work. she would be really happy there, but again, it's like we don't really get any information like why is she so good with plants? Why does she love plants so much these This is something that can that that's I mean the symbolism yeah. is right that you when you plant something, you're like putting roots down right, right. Yeah. but like I mean like it's just it's just there's a lot of like can I just say pieces. I got to say that um, you guys have really opened my eyes to how bad Did this it. movie is. <laughs> Congratulations I don't think on, I on thought this movie was bad until like, and I don't know that I think it's bad. I just think yeah. now that I'm thinking about it more, like it's just, it's just not fully realized. I think it's, yeah, I think, I think it, it has I a lot of potential, but it's I, not, I, I, I feel similarly to you that I don't think this is necessarily a bad movie. I think that this is a, I think this is a, this is a movie that needed more work. This is a this is a script that needed more drafts. This is just it's just not there yet. And you know who knows? They got a script and maybe they got it to Janet oh. McTeer, whatever the case might be, is and they got a movie made. So they I made mean. the whole you know the the movie that weirdly reminded me of yeah uh, was Aaron Brockovich, but mm-hmm. only sure. the only the boring parts of Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> Well, I find no parts of Aaron Brockovich boring, but that's I agree with you. that's I mostly love just me because I love it to pieces. You're, no, no, you're not. I, I mean, you're not wrong Aaron Brockovich because Aaron Brockovich is amazing. Like I, yeah. I, I, I didn't so want to say only the boring parts because I think the relationship she has with Aaron Eckhart is amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So um, so like, but it's not as interesting but, as the other stuff. Happening. No, and there, and it's a B plot, and there really yeah. aren't you know your, your ups and downs in that plot, and I think that it really helps in light of what she's doing in the rest of that movie that of all things this like bizarre looking biker construction worker man is the one who like grounds her at home i love that about the movie yeah but like you can't make a movie about just aaron aaron brockovich and aaron eckhart finding some tranquil bliss together but like not only that like he's a trucker and is boring looking instead of like the a guy who looks like he's going to kick your ass, but turns out to be a sweetheart. Yeah. Can I, I also just want to say, cause the Aaron Brockovich parallel is a, is a very good one because I think yeah, that yeah, what yeah. Aaron Brockovich does is all the things that obviously this film is striving for in the sense of, 
Aaron Brockovich has some wonderful small moments. I mean, no one, I mean, Steven Soderbergh is obviously a phenomenally talented filmmaker, but little silent moments, little things like Aaron Eckhart calling her in the middle of the night to set that, to tell her that her daughter said her first word. Um, you know what I mean? And, and, and the, just the radiance of Julia Roberts star wattage in that scene doesn't have to say anything. She's just crying and smiling and laughing. And it's just like the host of emotions that that film is able to convey in 15 seconds is obviously unreal. Um, and this film wishes that it had that ability. Um, it doesn't, but you know, it's, it's, you're not wrong that they're traveling in somewhat similar currency. They're just one is infinitely better than the other. It would have been a fine place to start for a B story yeah. in a yep. movie that was about something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's you know. So what I I say like you know I I don't even think that it's it's a flawed movie unrealized. Like I just think it. I. I don't know. I, 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 I take a much more cynical look at this movie, which feels like <laughs> I, I do. I just I just feel I like I, I feel like it was it was a, a late 90s indie movie that was riding the wave of better movies that came before it. Um, and I don't, had, I don't disagree with any of that. The veneer of a lot of yeah. those movies that came before it. I also want to say, like, I like a lot of Kevin O'Connor's movies. And I think yeah. Warrior is as good as a fucking movie. You now, good as a sports movie gets. So like the guys, you like Miracle too, don't you? Didn't you like of Miracle? I like Miracle. Like Miracle's <laughs> amazing, and I, I like the way back, back. Quite frankly, like, the guy can the guy can direct. It's not that he can't. Yeah. And his first movie made for five hundred thousand dollars is not necessarily a fair assessment of his abilities. Um, but I his acting abilities maybe though. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's, yeah. but it's just <laughs> this movie just, just didn't do it for me. And, and, you know, okay. especially having done what we've done, like 160 of these, 170 of these now, and having seen so many like phenomenal lead performances by female actors, it does kind of like, you know, irk me that this somehow broke through the noise when like it could have been Sarah Polly and Guinevere, you know? Yeah. So like, it's, you know, that kind of thing. Or it could have been. I mean, listen, we, Kenny or and I bigger, or bigger performances. Yeah. Bigger Kenny movies. and I every year do a, an Oscars for the year of movies that we that from '99, and I mean the the litany of overlooked great female performances in '99 is 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 pretty shocking. <laughs> so there's sure. it's, it's well, unfortunate. It's kind of it's it's just like why you know why has Janet McTeer not really been been on people's radars it's a problem that i i have talked to a couple of my other uh female Clearly writer friends seen Albert Nobbs. <laughs> well okay but well, like I'm interested, I'm interested in this what what what, what, yeah, I what but like I, I i mean it's it's not a it's not a new discussion point but it's just a discussion point about how like we just continually fail these incredible actresses who are over a certain age, but especially like, I think, I mean, Janet McTeer is almost 60, but like basically these women over 50, but really kind of a little over 40, because I think about like Sarah Paulson, who is stuck in Ryan Murphy land for who knows how long. And it's like the, these women who they're just not getting, getting roles worthy of them or, or like they're underwritten and, 
you know, or you have like people like Meryl, who is amazing, but she's always the first phone call uh, for any of these roles. And then it's like Jessica Lang has talked about this. She's like, you know, they're going to call Meryl first. They're not going to call me. And then you've got like someone like Janet McTeer, who's like a fantastic British actress who could have been like a Kate Blanchett and you could throw her in anything. And she's like incredible. But she's like, I don't know if it's just that she prefers like stage work because a lot of English actors like to just do stage work and do, you know, do some stuff here and there. And she's had some good TV roles for sure. But like, this is an actress that it's like, where have you been? Like, why, why is Hollywood not like, busting the door door down down to like get you in more things because she she has a lot of range and she can do so much stuff and like obviously she's worked with glenn who is another like actor's actor glenn close really you know really is and could also be hired for more things instead of like doing a lot of melodramatic stuff like the wife you know it's just like i want better for these women like it makes I was, me. I'm, I'm looking. It's interesting. I'm looking at her at her it makes me angry. <laughs> and it is. It is really interesting. It's. It's like you know. So she does this in '99. She gets. You know. She gets an Oscar nomination and and essentially follows it up with pretty much nothing. And yeah. that's not a knock on her. Um. You know. She's. She does some. She does some television. Um. But it's like Albert Knobs. I think. Did she? She got some award recognition for that or some nomination. She was nominated for that as well. It's like. Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to answer the question, and the answer is going to be bad. Uh, it's going to be okay. an indictment of the industry. Yeah, I mean, okay. of course. Like, um, the, As it should be. But my answer is good, I think. <laughs> the short answer is yeah. Hollywood fucked up. Like, that's mm-hmm. the, to me, that's, that's the short answer. Like, I think yeah. people would look back now and say what you just said, which is we could have done a lot more with this actress. The longer answer is, to me at least, uh, she is not a traditional leading lady. Right. Yeah. Um, And she is is a screen presence uh, that I think a lot of male actors and probably a lot of male directors and probably a lot of male producers were intimidated by. Right. Um, You know, that's put to incredible use in Ozark. I don't know. Emmy, did you watch Ozark? I don't. My parents love it, and actually, they shoot or when they would shoot on location, a lot of that shot about uh, fifty minutes oh, from yeah, where from where I grew okay. up because it's it's set at Lake of the Ozarks, and that is literally fifty minutes from my house. Um, and uh, I don't think they shoot a lot of it there; just some maybe like uh, exterior stuff at this point. But um, I don't. But my but my parents my parents adore. Ozark. So it's a, love it's it. A, love her. It's a parent show. Like, there's no question about it. But um, I, I think that uh, I think it, I think it's gotten legitimately great. Right. I think the first two seasons are like Showtime type mm-hmm. stuff, and I think it's really worked its way into Breaking Bad territory. And I'm quite impressed. And that coincides with her coming into the show because she's such a different presence. She basically mm-hmm. plays. She basically plays the 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 Mexican drug gangs American lawyer but there's no one who looks like her now she's much taller than everybody else so that does put her in a different position now the point I wanted to make is when you have an actor like this who is atypical right 
who is not, you know, five foot six, blonde, skinny, and white. In general, people uh, start and they love and, and people start loving the actor. They start writing roles for that person. Yeah. And that's what should have happened with her, where people start writing these roles for to take advantage of what she does. That's going to start happening a little bit, I think, with Elizabeth Debicki, right? Who also sure. like mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily sure. fit, but now people after Widows and Tenet, I think people are like, we gotta we gotta do this thing with her. But putting her in, you know, a typical Amy Adams role just isn't really gonna work yeah. because she's significantly taller than most of the people who play the love interest. So yeah. I do think that it was a lack of a lack of uh, a, a lack of imagination and obvious sexism and like obviously like you know male fragility that kind of put this particular actress in this particular box yeah um, i don't personally think that that she was a victim of age discrimination the way a no. lot of the other actresses were because i do think that like you uh, you know you know whose role she should have been getting who people do write roles for uh it had been for about 15 years is tilda swinton like sure. once people realize what Tilda Swinton can do, people were like, "We can weaponize this thing." Yeah, hundred percent. Had oh, yeah. someone like her, fifteen years. Well, I guess Tilda Swinton's kind of broke out in adaptation, which is like five years later. So they could have been writing those same kind of roles, where like Janet Baker could do everything. Yeah. Um, earlier, but they just didn't, and they just they they failed her and failed us. And it makes sense, you know, that she's she's found a home on TV. She reminds me. In a different way, but in a way that you're talking about of um, Sarah Lancashire, who is an actress I love. And she is in Happy Valley. I don't know if either of you watched Happy Valley. Yeah, yeah. She was a star of Happy Valley, which was a a crime, crime, you know, a British crime drama. And they had it on Netflix. um, And that was written by... uh, God, I'm going to forget her name. Uh, I think Sally Wainwright, who's done a couple things now with Sarah Lancashire, but she's a very specific kind of type and like this really uh, distinguished British actress. And every time I watch her, I'm like, this woman is incredible. I believe her every second she is on screen. Like she could be like the, the fact that no one in America basically knows who she is, is like, it blows my mind because I'm like, this woman is probably one of the best actors working today that I've seen, but like no one knows who she is. And I feel that way about Janet McTeer, who has done a ton of Broadway shows too. Like I would kill to see her on Broadway and hopefully when it comes back, eventually I'll get to see her. But like in the same way, I mean, I think that she again is probably an intimidating, an intimidating presence because Janet McTeer to me is just such a force and I think some of that is because of her stage training she has so much presence on screen but yeah I I just think like probably no one knows what to do with her and someone like Glenn Close is like well this is what people kind of think about me so I'm gonna put you in Albert Knobs like these these two women doing I think that what people are afraid to talk about but I'm not afraid is uh Hollywood writes too many roles for women where a prerequisite is being traditionally attractive. Yeah. Um, 
That's and I, I don't feel like people talk about that enough. So when you say like there are basically two buckets in Hollywood, there's the bucket that is for women who who can convincingly play a romantic lead. And I put that in quotes for people who you know aren't watching this. And there are there's a bucket for quote unquote actors. And those calls go to Meryl Streep, but then they go to Glenn Close, and then you know they they Francis McDormand, yeah, um, and Sarah Lancashire would, would would be like that too. But when you know when I we used to Sarah Lancashire, and I've seen Happy Valley, the first thing I thought of is why doesn't Jada Pinkett have her Fargo, right? Well, yeah, she just she's be great a person awesome. with a job who's fucking good at it. Yeah, like. The reason is because we don't write those roles. It's just that simple. We just don't write those roles um, because because almost any movie fronted by a man has to have a, a a stereotypically attractive woman in the lead. Yeah, it's and it's like such a it's such a problem too. But it's like such a stark contrast when I watch anything yeah. from like any other country. That's not the mm-hmm. United States, but I mean, I mm-hmm. do spend a lot of time watching British television, especially because I, I find the writing on it so good. Um, sure. Uh, and, and it is, it's like British actors, like a lot of them aren't necessarily, this is not a slight on them, but a lot of them aren't necessarily conventionally attractive or they're not like attractive in an American way. I totally agree. Yep. And, yep. and so like, as a result, I think that they get more freedom to like, like actually act and do their jobs. Whereas like American actors are also worried about having to like look great on screen and like be like be sexy. And that gets in the way of so much stuff, which is probably why I like something like Alice doesn't live here anymore. Cause these look like normal people as far as like, yeah. For, for as like attractive as someone like Chris Christopherson was, and he was like you know a huge rock star and all this stuff. I shouldn't say was because he's still alive, but like he's still alive. Uh, yeah. He's still attractive. But yeah, but it's like I think that's my thing. It's like a weird thing, but a lot of seventies movies. I'm like these people look like normal people. Like it's kind of a little bit before we started doing this like super glossy thing, and I feel like people in the seventies feel like attractive for normal like normal people and now we're into a place where like people have to be you know everyone has veneers and everyone has like lip injections and everyone you know and like Janet McTeer is not that kind of actor she's just like no throw throw me in a role I'll make myself as ugly as I need to I watched an interview with her talking about her doing like Shakespeare in the park and she was like I just took like brown eyeshadow and I like smeared it all over my face and I didn't look in the mirror because I had to look dirty and gross and I didn't care, yeah. and it was great, and I felt so free, and I was like, "That's pretty cool." I'm like, I mean, I, I think that, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I don't watch Ozark, but I'm glad to hear that she's doing great stuff on it. And yeah. you, you know, should. she's basically the the Gus Fring of Ozark, right? Wow. Like, it, she, she's that. It's that kind of presence. It's that kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, like like change of energy. Sure, sure. The show. And to me, a lot of like Breaking Bad, like I think Breaking Bad's as good as it comes, but I think Breaking Bad changed dramatically when Gus came into the show. I agree. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. And she she was that kind of thing where it's like, oh, who is this? What is she doing? And uh, how is she going to fuck up all these characters I care about? 
Um, so made everyone um, else better for it. Uh, Emmy, on this show, we uh, we rate the episodes from zero to ninety nine. Zero being the lowest, ninety nine being the highest. Movies, but feel free to rate the episode. <laughs> you can rate the episode too. I mean, you can rate. You can. Um, but uh, so I didn't see this film in ninety nine or or even around ninety nine. This was the first time I saw the film. Um, I watched it yesterday. Um, and you know, as, as you can deduce, didn't, didn't hate it, didn't love it, kind of was whatever about it. Um, I came into it thinking that the film was probably in the, I don't know, low sixties is kind of where I was at, uh, 62, something like that. Um, you know, having, you know, had this conversation with you guys, I'm certainly lower. Um, and I don't know that I'm necessarily in a place that I'm below 50 on it. Um, but, um, I think I'm at like a 51, um, in terms of, you know, I, I think that Janet Mateer is very good in it. Um, and I think that if someone is looking for this type of film, you know, uh, it, it's 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 not terrible, in my humble opinion. But, um, Kenny, what, what was your rating on this film? You know, Phil, my ra- my, my as I said, I, I I feel like I went on just not not a roller coaster ride with this movie, but kind of like a straight kind of downward descent from a cliff um and i I saw my notes like i said like three times like Mm -hmm. different euphemisms for this movie sucks uh i gave it a 30 which is low Mm -hmm. um and i almost want to give it two grades i'm going to stick with a 30 (laughs) but that said like if someone gave it a higher grade on the basis of like, there are some performances here which are kind of stellar, uh, within the context of a movie that is less than. I could understand that. I've seen people who, who frankly value film acting more than I do, uh, put put uh, ha- like like review movies in that way. Like, you must see this for Janet McKeer's performance. I would say you don't have to see this movie. However. That is it, it. It is kind of a marvel, and Kimberly Brown is to me like even more of a marvel. Um, and it, it's not like the worst movie I've ever seen by a long shot. But um, again, I do I do feel like it's a bit of a disservice to the other movies that we've mentioned that kind of play in similar ground to say this is good because I just don't think it is. Um, just a quick question, uh, I mean, earlier today we recorded an episode on uh, for our Patreon on uh, Steven Spielberg's Always. Mm-hmm. And my question to you, Kenny, is: Is this better or worse than Always? It's a great question. <laughs> I think so. This is worse than Always. Okay. Um, this okay. is this, this is worse than Always. Always uh, is more ridiculous, like in every way. But Always is so much more watchable. Like I was, I was super bored during this movie, and I was like not super bored during. <laughs> uh, Emmy, what, what are your thoughts on zero to ninety nine for, for tumbleweeds? God, I well, I will probably rank it higher than both of you because I think I see what it's trying to do. I think it's good to have, um, you know. Ultimately, it's still like a good mother daughter. Um, story in terms of like I like the relationship I like a lot of the moments there and I I think like it's it's just it's like nice to have another movie that does that in the dearth of like uh I don't know if I just use 
that word correctly of like uh like so many male movies i think yeah. it's it's like good despite the fact that this has a male uh director and co-writer um i think i'd probably put it in like the high 50s to maybe like 60 because i don't think it's like i see all of the problems with it that we have discussed and it is not you know it's never gonna reach the echelons of other things i like better um but uh it's been a long time since i've seen always by the way so i i can't necessarily weigh in on that but i would say (laughs) that they're both ridiculous uh in their always own ways. Is definitely more but always ridiculous. is incredibly <laughs> ridiculous. I don't want Richard Dreyfus as my angel. Oh, you're the um, best. <laughs> like, uh, I, you that, know, was, that was our takeaway too. I mean, like, listen, I, I have to admit nightmare. that one of one of my ex-boyfriends, I think I'm realizing the part of the reason I dated him and dated him was because he looked a little like Richard Dreyfus's character. Matt Hooper in Jaws, and I am obsessed sure. with. I was going to say the one great, the one great Richard. I, I'm obsessed with Jaws. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm obsessed with Jaws, and I was like, maybe that was part of the appeal. But I don't want him as my angel. I don't want yeah. him. Uh, I don't want him as a concert pianist in the movie The Competition. Which, if you haven't seen it, please look it up on Amazon Prime. Don't know, don't know that one, but I'm going to look that it's up. It's terrible, yeah. and he wear he. I think he maybe won a Razzie for it. Uh, but he wears the same hat through like the entire movie. That was clearly a character choice. Anyway, I kinda, now I want to know what Richard Dreyfus looks like right wait, now because I feel like Richard uh, Dreyfus. He looks old. He uh, looked like 150 back in '89. He's he got to look like he looks very old. But um, the point is, I don't really know. I think I would say that this movie for me is better than always. But it's been a long time since I've seen it, and my conclusion okay. is that I don't want Richard Dreyfus. As my angel, if I had my choice, I'd probably pick like Celine Dion or the Three Dads from Mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, what? One last question. Uh, we also on that podcast did our top ten Spielberg's. I'm curious: is okay. Jaws your number one? Uh, it, it's definitely, um, it's definitely top. Three for me, I really go back and forth on what my number one okay. would be, but it's for sure top three. I actually had a guy completely delete his and en- deactivate and delete his entire Bumble account because I told him Jaws was one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with you? I'm yeah, happy go to away. say, yeah, I'm Dive happy in. to I'm happy to say that my boyfriend now <laughs> has literally watched like every single documentary about. Jaws. So yeah. like that was clearly meant to He's be. a keeper. He's yeah. a keeper. Um it would definitely be top it's top top 3 for me. There's so many that I love. I'm a big uh you know, I'm always going to fight for Catch Me If You Can. It's I'm a huge Catch Me If You Can person. So um you know, I I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love E.T. I love Jurassic Park. I've dressed as Ellie Sattler. Like, there's so many of his movies that I love. Jaws is definitely sure. top three. It's probably... It might be my favorite. Because I think it's just it's a great movie. I think it's, it's really a top to bottom. Excellent. Flip. So so you, you brought up documentaries. So um, that's a great segue for our next week's episode. We're doing an episode on Mr. Death, the Errol Morris film. I don't know if you've ever seen that film, uh, Emmy, by any chance. I have not. 
it is uh it's a really great documentary errol morris is a fascinating documentarian um and i'm excited to talk about him and to talk about uh mr death with uh returning guest simon ennis who uh filmmaker um and uh, a friend of mine from toronto uh who's going to come on and talk about that with us um but emmy thank you so much yeah for thank on. you yeah, thank you this was so memories. much fun I'm dealing to... with, with Phil and I's little uh, lovers quarrel. That's fine. Uh, I, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I like that every now and then. It just, you know, I do, it's, my it's good for men some, to express their spice every now and then. Yeah, it's it's good for men. It's good and healthy for men to express their emotions. You did it in a <laughs> a very healthy way. I'm proud of both oh, of you. Oh, thank you. Um, we appreciate that, Emmy. You know. I'm gonna send you. Uh, I'm gonna send you the list again. There's some additions to the list, and see if there's anything else on there that you might want to come back for. Because we'd love to talk with you again about mm-hmm. something from '99 or '89. Send you some '89s. See if wow. there's something on there that you're interested in. It's coming on for, which we'd love to do that. Um, but more than anything, we'd like to thank everyone for listening. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on your various platforms. You can reach us at Twitter at podcast like 1999. We're also on Reddit now. We have a Reddit account. Uh, it's very exciting uh we're also on instagram uh thank you to will and ernie for producing the episodes and to sullivan for being our social media person uh thank you for listening and as always to jan for our art. <laughs> and jan task of course for our key art and uh and our theme song. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.